Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know about you, but I walked away this morning saying, boy, our fathers, we have a tough job. We've got to know when to be tender as a mother, and we've got to know when to be firm as a father, and all the degrees in between. And that really is going to take the grace of God, isn't it, for that to occur. Ephesians chapter 6, once again in verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. This morning we looked at the fact that every believer, regardless of their providential circumstances, are to have as their aim and goal to be holy to be holy and blameless before Him in His love. And what a responsibility and what a privilege that is to be a partaker of the divine nature and to have that fruit being exhibited in our hearts and in our lives. So no matter our age, no matter our gender, no matter our position in life, what God has given us, no matter whether we're rich or we're poor, Our aim is to be the same. We are to be a holy people. And that means that we must be growing up. In fact, the very phrase growing up implies that we're what? Children. That we are children. And sometimes that's hard for a parent, an adult, to think of themselves as children. But when you're dealing with the ancient of days, everything is a child to him. And so we look this morning on this fact that a father must have the proper spirit. He must be able to walk in a gentle fashion, in tenderness, in sacrificial love, and with the same type of affection for his children as a nursing mother would have. If you're a father, you need to learn how to show affection with your daughters, to show affection with your sons. Many, many a young man has never been shown affection by his dad, his earthly dad. And yet God Himself has shown His affection to us in His Son. But not only must they do that, they must also walk in their home with the exhortating and encouraging and commanding like a father would be. A father, his word should be golden. He shouldn't have to nag, he shouldn't have to irritate, he shouldn't have to prod, or as most parents do today, he shouldn't have to bribe his children to obey him. He is the father. Mom is the mother. And we saw this morning also that one of the ways that we are told not to do is that we are told not to provoke our children to anger. In other words, we're not to use unrighteous anger because unrighteous anger does not promote or achieve the righteousness of God, but all it does is stir up what? It stirs up unrighteous anger in the other person. And we took a look at this in the life of Saul and Jonathan, his own son. And I just want to say here, this command, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, isn't just a command for a father to a child. It's really a command to all of us, isn't it? 
We're to let no unwholesome speech come out of our mouths. And so we should not be provoking one another to anger, but we should be provoking one another to love and to good works. I know as a child I definitely did not want my father and my mother to provoke me to anger, but on the same coin, as a child, I should not want to provoke my parents to what? To anger either. This is this worthy walk that we are to be walking before the Lord. This afternoon, I want to take a look at the second half of that command, and that is bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord. And then, Lord willing, next Lord's Day in the afternoon service, we'll look at bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord. Fathers and husbands, if we are to fulfill our responsibility in our homes as being the representative of Christ in our home, now you're not the high priest of your home, there's only one high priest, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. All believers are priests. But if we're going to fulfill our responsibility as being the representative and likeness of Christ in our home, then we have to train and admonish our home according to our new life in Christ. Because otherwise we could dishearten them, we could cause our children to lose motivation towards the Lord, We could actually provoke them to be against Christ. And we talked about this in the book of James, that if any man doesn't bridle his tongue, his own religion is what? It's worthless in the sight of the Lord. And we definitely do not want to promote a worthless religion. Now as we read Ephesians 6 and verse 4, as I mentioned this morning, we don't want to read it as fathers in this way, that we are to rear our children in discipline and instruction. It's not our idea of discipline. It's not our idea of correction. It's not even the world's idea of correction or the world's idea of discipline. It is to bring them up in the nurture and in the... Excuse me, the discipline and instruction of who? Of the Lord. Of the Lord. Now, as I mentioned this morning, the Lord does call us His children. If you go back on my Bible, you just look over on the other page, but if you look at Ephesians 5 and verse 1, we're called children. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You look down in Ephesians 5 and verse 8, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You think about 1 John when you think about this tenderness when he says to that congregation, my little what? My little child. How would you like to be called a little child? Well, here's an apostle calling members of that local New Testament assembly, my little children. We are children, every one of us, before the Lord. And fathers, I want to give you three things that you must do to begin in the instruction of your home with the Lord. Number one, 
Fathers must be diligent to understand that their own sanctification is preeminent. It's not, I'm bringing my children to church so that they can grow up in the things of the Lord. Every believer needs this emphasis that my sanctification, or as Robert Murray McShane would say, my greatest need is my personal holiness. My sanctification is to be preeminent. And I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And even though the context is differs from the home, we've been learning that we're real, we're, we really all share the same goals. But here's Timothy. He's Paul's representative here. And he begins, <clears throat> Paul instructing him concerning a minister's discipline. Look at verse 8. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But this discipline, godliness, is profitable for how many things? All things. I can learn about fixing a car, but it's only profitable if I'm fixing a what? A car. But godliness is profitable in every area of my life every circumstance of my life that may come up on the horizon. Not only is it profitable for all things, Ephesians 4 verse 8, but it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now if you go down in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 15. Paul tells Timothy, Take pains with these things. What things? Well, godliness, labor and striving for this, teaching this, giving attention, verse 13, to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, not neglecting your spiritual gift. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Now let's just stop here. We're talking about a pastor. He's to be giving himself to doctrine. He's to be giving himself to godliness so that the congregation what? They can see that he's growing in these things. How much more in our homes? And so he states, 1 Timothy 4 verse 16, Pay close attention to the church. Is that what it says? Pay close attention to your neighbor. Pay close attention to yourself. And to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Because as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for who? Yourself and for those who what? Hear you. Now let's make an application here to our homes and our fathers. Do you want your home to grow up in all things? The answer has to be what? Yes. 
Well, fathers, in order for that to happen, you're going to have to watch your step. You're going to have to pay close attention to yourself that you are growing in sanctification. That you are growing in the godliness that is profitable for all things. That you yourself are giving yourself to these things. That you are absorbed in them. That you are giving all diligence to this so that you will grow in your own sanctification, but also for the people you are what? Instructing. Is a father to be instructing? He is to be instructing. And so here we have, look, bring them up in the discipline and instruction in the Lord, meaning... First of all, dads, you need to pay attention to yourself. We are not profitable for anyone else if we ourselves are not profitable to Him. Does everybody see that? You've got to do that. This is not merely a pastor's job for himself, although here the context is that. We know from the book of Ephesians that this is to be our aim for everyone. And so here you are in the home. Here you are taking your sanctification seriously. Beginning in your home with you disciplining and instructing yourself. And if we would do that, others will see it. And as others see it, they will know that this is real in your life. That what you're instructing is not merely your own personal whims or your own personal convictions, but this is what God wants. So number one, you've got to be diligent to understand that your own personal sanctification is preeminent. And husbands, you're no good to your wife unless this is happening. And of course, it would be true for the wives and the children too, would it not be? Secondly, fathers, you must understand not only justification, you have to understand sanctification. And really, they're tied together. I have found that if a person doesn't, if he misunderstands sanctification, then somewhere along the line, his justification ideas are a little off themselves also. Today in our churches, we as fathers are generally content if we've given our children the gospel. Jesus came according to the Scriptures. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the grave according to the Scriptures. He was seen. People saw Him. He bodily resurrected. And you're a sinner and you need to come to Christ and be saved. That's great, isn't it? But in that death, burial, and resurrection, there was a lot more than just that going on. You need to know how a person, a believer, is sanctified. You need to know what are the New Testament means for this to happen. 
What is the ambition and the aim for your life as a Christian? What is God's eternal purpose for all things in Christ? How does the Lord achieve these ends? How is He going to make me holy? What is the proper understanding of holiness and blameless before His sight? What would it mean for a Christian to be beyond reproach? All of these things we've got to understand so that we can grow ourselves. And of course, real quickly, how does the Lord do this? By His Word. Sanctify them in truth. Your Word is what? Truth. And that means, dads, that we have to hear the Word of God. We've got to know how to engraft the Word of God in our hearts. We've got to know how to walk therein. We need to know what it's like on a day-by-day basis to be conformed to His image. And your home ought to be able to see that. Your home ought to be able to say to you, well, you know, I'm talking to you, pastor, and it's kind of private. Dad's not everything that he ought to be, but he's a lot more Christ-like than he was five years ago. That would be a gift, wouldn't it? And for that to continue all the days of your life. Most pastors that I found, and it is a very limited survey that I have here, but most pastors that I found have no understanding of what it means to be sanctified. And if you don't understand it as a pastor, then how's a church going to be sanctified? If you don't understand it as a father, how's your home going to be set apart to be made more holy? We've got to hear the Word and engraft the Word and let the Word live inside of us and walk therein and be conformed into His image day by day, moment by moment. This is your habit. This is your aim. This is what you desire with all your being. And then thirdly, Fathers, you must be growing up in the fruit of the Spirit. Our children, when they're very, very young, all they see is the outer things. But as they grow, they begin to see the real you. It's not always nice. Your children should observe the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Humility. Have your children ever seen you humbled and how you respond to that? Gentleness in a situation in which a person's natural response would be to unkindness instead of gentleness. Fathers, are you known for being patient? Some fathers kind of have a disposition of being too patient. (laughs) Some fathers are basically impatient. We're all to be growing up in this. Forgiveness. Your home is full of people. People sin. 
people sin. And they need to see you dads in that home forgiving from the heart. Not merely with words, but from the heart. They need to see a dad who is thankful in unthankful circumstances. They need to see a dad who's not a grumbler or a complainer. They need to see what really brings you delight. What makes your eyes sparkle? Is it baseball? Or is it knowing Christ? They need to observe you, Dad, being sacrificial. Sacrificial with your wife. Sacrificial with your children. They need to see a father who is modeling submission. Who's modeling obedience. Who really has a confident expectation in what the Scripture says and its promises. They need to know a dad that is prayerful. They need to see a father who is sober and stable, who doesn't get shook with every little wind that is out there. They need to see a father that is content. They need to see a father who is word immersed. They need to see a giving, holy Father. That is the high standard that God is to hold us to. That's almost enough to make you want to not get married and not have children. But let me give you a clue. It is the blessing of marriage and children that helps develop these things in our life. And what a gift that is. Fathers, are we going to be perfect with this? I just read down through this list and in my mind I'm thinking C minus, B plus, D minus. There's always things to be growing up. But your family ought to see this happening in your home. Because that's what you want them to do. Right, dads? You want them to be doing this all the days of their life. I didn't get saved till I was 20. There have been many times that I have bemoaned the fact that I would have opportunities like our children here who got saved at an early age and to think, boy, what, what if I'd had 12 more years of maturity? What a gift that would be. And then I have to remind myself, no, the Lord knew when to save me. <laughs> but there's still that blessing of being raised in a home like this. And the privileges that come with that. Now that means that as we go back to Ephesians... <clears throat> That means that fathers, we need to be busy rearing our children up in the instruction of the Lord. And I have some simple things here to say, but I really think it would be very helpful if we really gave ear to these things. 
The word instruction means not merely to teach. It's not that Greek word. But it means to instruct by correcting. To instruct by correcting. And that means, fathers, this. That the Lord has given you the responsibility to appropriately correct your children in the righteousness of Christ. You have been given the God-given responsibility to correct your children in the righteousness of Christ. And folks, there is no one who is beyond correction. I certainly have been corrected. I've been corrected for things I've done wrong. I've been corrected for things I did right. (laughs) No one is beyond correction. And that means that includes our children. It also, men, includes your wife. But here's what it really means. Yourself. You must correct yourself. Sometimes I've had people say, well, Pastor, it just seems like you're always correcting. Well, if you knew how often I was correcting myself, you would be thankful that I'm not correcting you that often. You've got to correct who? Yourself. And you've got to be able to do that with the Scripture. You've got to be able to correct your wife. You've got to be able to correct your children. And I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I just want to point out a couple of Scripture here. Got about seven and then we'll be finished for tonight. Proverbs chapter 4. Now we understand that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. <clears throat> and it is the wisdom of a father to his who? To his son or to his children. And in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 13, the father is telling his children to listen to this. Take hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her. Why? Instruction is your what? Life. Everybody see that? In other words, when someone comes to instruct you, to correct you, take hold on to that. Take it seriously. Whether it's true or not, take it seriously. Take hold of that instruction and don't just take it hold, look at it, and then disregard it. But guard the instruction because that instruction is your life. Your life depends on this. And so in Proverbs chapter 6, in verse 23, the Bible will speak about the Bible. 
But I've been reading in verse 20, My son, observe the commandment of your father, and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, your parents' instruction will what? Guide you. When you sleep, your parents' instruction will watch over you. And when you awake, your parents' instruction will do what? Talk to you. Lay hold on this. It is your life. And if your parents' instruction is like this, how much more the Bible? So in verse 23, here's why. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is light, and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. The commandment from the Bible, but the commandment from your parents gives insight. Their instruction gives light on that lamp. And their correction, reproof for discipline, that is the path of what? Of life. That is the path of life. It is a lie from the devil that one can walk their own life because there is no need in their life for any more correction. This is what the world says to you. You're right. Everybody else is wrong. You correct them. Nobody corrects you. But God corrects us, doesn't He? Part of coming to church is to be instructed, corrected, so that we can adjust our behavior. And the path of instruction is the path of life. It will keep a man, verse 24, from fornication. It will keep a person away from the wicked man. It will keep your feet. And young people, God honors this. He honors this instruction. You you are in a unique person, placed in a unique home, because God knows that the instruction of that unique parent is necessary for your unique walk. Your parents know you. You know them. And you can walk together in this. When a person despises instruction, no matter how old they are, they despise life. If you despise instruction, then you despise life. Now, are fathers supposed to correct their children? Yes or no? Yes. Here's a question. 
How often? How often? When I was a young person, I thought that's all my parents did was correct me. <laughs> and you know what? That was all they did. Why? Because I needed it all the time. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction, and I'm not talking about spanking, I'm talking about the rod that is correction. Correction will drive it out of their heart. So when we're looking at the Scripture, I want us to go back to some familiar passages. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7. These words that are being commanded and are on your heart, you are to teach them diligently to your sons. And let's just pause here. What does diligent mean? To make it a point, right? To give energy to this. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way. When you lie down. When you what? Folks, did you notice that that's 24-7? When, in your, when you're in, their, in your home, you are to be teaching them diligently. When you are walking down the path, you and your child, and you are walking and enjoying life, or maybe walking around the block or the street or a park, you're to be talking about these things. When you lie down at night, when you rise up, this is to always be upon your heart. This is what the Lord means by diligent. 24-7. Instructing your children. If you go over to Deuteronomy chapter 11, a couple of pages over, look down at verse 18. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You are to be thinking about them, and they are to be active even with the work of your own hand. Verse 19. And you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and on your gates. <coughs> In other words, this correction is to be everywhere because we always need to be reminded of this. 
and dads. This type of correction just doesn't mean formal times. What do I mean by that? Like, <clears throat> okay, we have devotions at such and such an hour, and at that hour, 6 o'clock, whatever, 6 o'clock, we're going to bring the family in, that's when I'm going to teach them. That's when I'm going to show them the ways of the Lord. That's when I'm going to talk along the way. That's when I'm going to have to correct them. That's what I mean by formal. It's not just formal times. It's not just structured times. It's not just, hey, let's go out and have breakfast together. Although that's good. I'm not downplaying that at all. I wish I'd have done more of that. It really is all the time. All the time. And young people, that means that you're going you're gonna to feel at times like you never do anything right. And you're going to think that in your heart. But I can assure you that your parents' correction of you that appropriate correction is a sign they love you. They could just let you do whatever you want to do. You say, well, man, that'd be great. No, it wouldn't. What's the opposite of life? That would be death. The way of correction is the way of life. This is life. And we're to teach them. If you go to Psalm 78, another... Psalm that many of you are aware of, Psalm 78 and verse 4. We'll begin in verse 1. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children. But tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. If we do not speak of the things of the Lord 24-7, then we are hiding precious treasure from our young people. We're to tell them the things in which we're to praise the person of Christ about. We're to speak on how He has strengthened us and given us endurance throughout our days. We need to teach them our failings and how Christ has undergirded and changed us. We need to speak of all the wondrous works that He's done in our lives. And not just, you know, the Lord gave me a million dollars and I was only praying for 500,000. You know, I mean, even what he's the wondrous things that he has done when you needed to be lifted up because underneath was his everlasting arms. You must teach your children. What a blessing when the home and the church and all this is in harmony. Because then they come to church and they hear what they hear at home. And when they're at home, they hear what they have heard in church and they see it being lived out in their father and in their mother. 
They see that it is real. And brethren, this is what I think Proverbs 22 and verse 6 is referring to. And when I mention that verse, I'm sure that it immediately comes to many of your minds. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not what? He will not depart from it. This passage is not a blanket promise. It is a general wisdom passage. But if you would train up, if you would correct a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Meaning, dads, you're training their heart. You're not just training their attendance at church. You're just not training, passing out a certain number of tracts. You're not training them to say just certain things. You're training their inner person. You're training them in the things I mentioned earlier, humility and patience and meekness and kindness and forgiveness and gratitude and joy and sacrifice and being teachable. Woe to the child who isn't teachable. You're just not teaching them to pray a prayer or to repeat something or to attend church because it's some moral obligation. You're training them in the fruit of the Spirit. Just like you're training who? Yourself. And you're training your wife. We've got to learn to have the discernment to see beyond the outwardness of the situation and see what is going on in the heart. And lastly, you know how we do this. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 14, Paul writes to Timothy and says, You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now let's pause here. Did Paul make it his ambition, his personal holiness? Did he pay attention to himself first? Yes. That gave him credibility because he called Timothy his child. Timothy, you've observed my manner of life. You've seen how the Lord has worked in my life. You've seen how He has saved me, called me with a holy calling, risen me up in the things. I have spoken to you of the wonders of the Lord. I have showed you He really is living and alive. I've talked this with you while we've been walking from Ephesus to Philippi. I've spoken this to you. And you know from whom you have learned this. This has been real in my life. Verse 15. And that from childhood, Timothy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom 
that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. As speaking of the Old Testament. Was Timothy instructed and corrected by the Bible? It was. And it was the path of life. It was able to give him wisdom for him to come to justification in Christ Jesus. Now verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. Man, here's what we're teaching. We're teaching the Scriptures. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, instruction in righteousness. And what is to be the end result of this? Verse 17. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good what? Every good work. Fathers, isn't this what you want for your children? Don't you want them to be equipped for every good work? Don't you want them that from a child for them to know the Holy Scriptures so that this possibility might happen. They might have the wisdom to come to Jesus Christ. Don't you want them to know a dad who is credible in whom Christ is just not words or knowledge. Christ is in them. The hope of glory. And then to be able to walk in the ways of the Lord, to know Him, to communicate that in your home, to be corrected yourself by your own study, to be corrected by what we all learn in the church and to submit ourselves to that. That is a great blessing. That is a gift beyond all gifts. There's no greater gift than to be raised in a home like this. No greater gift. And it would be a shame, young people, if you did not take it to heart that you need to be teachable, you need to be correctable, you need to give your parents the benefit of the doubt, and mom and dad, you need to give yourself to holiness with every ounce of strength you have. And you're to be talking of the things of the Lord around the clock. You're to wake up thinking about them. You're to go to sleep thinking about them. You're to be meditating on it day in, night. You're to be hungry for it. You're to be thirsty for it. You're to pray for it. And the Lord will look and say, you are bringing me glory in the church by Christ Jesus as He does this in your own life.
to know how to think, to know how to speak, to know how to walk with other believers. This is an exhausting list of things that we need to grow up in. (laughs) And the Lord has grown you up. But now that you know the aim and the purpose, the responsibility and the privilege, you can grow up quicker in the things of Jesus Christ. Fathers, bring them up, raise them up, rear them up in the instruction of the Lord. Let's pray.